Hello and welcome to Good Sex, Bad Sex. This is a podcast from metro.co.uk. It's a bit like being into feet, but we've got more soul. <laughs> you didn't like my to be afraid of joke, so... <laughs> no, it's fine. They're both equally good. <laughs> my name is Bibi Lynch. I'm Miranda Kane. And who are we chatting with today, please? Today we are talking to someone who has a very own dungeon and a lot more besides... Hello, I'm Adrina Angela and I'm a London-based dominatrix and the owner of Anana Studio. Have you got any ideas for what a good starter pack might be for any dominatrixes in training? People who want to give it a go, where can they start? Okay, I mean, from a physical perspective, it's going to be very useful to have I think impact toys are the most Mm. important kind of kink 101 kit so a crop a paddle uh, a flogger I would not jump in with the whips because obviously they have a certain more level of skill involved with using them so Mm. I think yeah impact toys are really really great place to start then obviously things like shackles handcuffs that sort of thing it's all a cliche but they are really kind of I love how you went shackles first, then handcuffs. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, make sure you really can't move. Let's get out of the iron Oh, yeah. If you do it, do it properly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Brilliant. So we've got uh, impact toys, restraints. Mm. Anything else? Um, I mean, the amount of kit you can have is endless. Uh, my, my cupboards are like a treasure chest of stuff um pinwheels again kind of classics that sort of thing um from a boring perspective i think before you go like diving in with the tools it's important like the most important thing you can have is to kind of really understand the scene and kink and people's needs and people's Mm -hmm. kind of emotional and sexual needs and that's like the most important fundamental if you're looking for a more serious answer which is Sorry. How do you how do you suss that? Is there like a kind of e-harmony questionnaire? Oh God, no. I think that's something that you really do learn with. I'm um, being on the part of the community helps a lot. I personally wouldn't recommend if you, you're not kinky yourself, you're not part of the kink scene to suddenly decide I want to be a dominatrix and go into it because mm. you are going to be losing, missing a lot of the kind of understanding and fundamental kind of skill sets involved. So I think it's something you know through being involved in that part of the community. And it's also um, something you develop as you, you do the work, as you start to kind of understand your, your clientele. It's something mm. you kind of, yeah, really fine tune. Do you think a lot of people might think it's just an easy way to make cash? Like, oh, after yes. the pandemic, we all need yeah. to get something. Yeah, yeah. particularly Findom. I think people mm. like that sounds far too good to be true. Are you kidding me? I can just tell men to give me money and they will. <laughs> uh, I wish it was that easy. <laughs> just explain. We might have a few people who are like, ah, what is Findom? Just Findom is financial domination. And that's men who get off on the power exchange of women taking their money. Because obviously when it comes to true submission, um, doing something you genuinely don't want to do is the most authentic power exchange um, and they, they yeah they get off on giving away their money to women so it is a, a genuine kink and it's a very potentially powerful and erotic one but it's very um, common on things like 
Twitter because people hear about it and they're like, are you, are you kidding? I can just ask people to give me money. Mm. Um, so there is a lot of online findoms, but I don't think there's a lot of actually successful online findoms. Yeah. I also think a lot of guys tend to use it as a way to lure women into... Oh, yeah you know it's like oh I'll give you I'll give you some money if you um tell me what you'd spend it like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah like it it kind of it works both ways you get people who don't know how they're properly gonna do it um and guys who would use the 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 idea of all this free money that they don't have to work for into just getting their kicks off if you see what I mean yeah Yeah. there's there's an art to it I know a lot of women who do findom and they they obviously they'll be like oh yeah I took your money and I bought these really really beautiful shoes and look at this gorgeous underwear I got Mm -hmm. and they're wearing like some beautiful bra and then from the waist down they're in sweatpants and they're really using it pay the council tax yeah realistically that's where these guys spend the money goes <laughs> but you play the game <laughs> yeah. you started doing with with like feet you started at feet yes I and did I guess you go all to the top to kind of psychological stuff as well yeah. what's the most extreme thing that you feel that you've been asked to do that felt extreme to you oh I get asked and I actually don't do because it just doesn't sit comfortably with me um race play or religious play uh is yeah I just can't I just can't um and that I think is quite um extreme lengths um and you know I I don't judge people for their kinks and they're allowed to have it but I feel like as a white woman I I just it's I can't morally actually engage in it um so it's quite a difficult one but yeah I, I can't you also get men with castration fantasies but I think some things really should remain a fantasy you know there's some fantasies <laughs> you want to live out and there's others which are just best kept I uh, don't know there are some men <laughs> where I quite happily have a go uh, yeah right yeah. well that's when chastity comes in I will happily lock them all up <laughs> <laughs> now speaking of locking up I wanted to talk to you about sensory deprivation because mm. I, I'm not sure whether people know what it is or how they can do it properly. So where would someone start with sensory deprivation? What is, what is sensory it? Sensory deprivation is one of my favourites, actually. I mm. love sensory deprivation. And the, the premise is, obviously, if you move one sense, it heightens the others. Um, so you can do it with, say, sight and hearing. Um, so I particularly focus on sight because I love the sound. So I will... A good, it's a really, really basic one. It's something you do at home with zero equipment because you can just blind someone. someone. Mm. It's important to blindfold someone properly. I'll always put a blindfold on and then put a stocking around the blindfold because otherwise you get people who cheat. Oh, so it's easy to look under a blindfold. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, I, I like, like to keep their hearing, so I like to use the sounds in the room so you can hear your footsteps as you walk around them. They can hear you breathe or whispering. They can hear the clinks as you're starting to pick up equipment, and they can't see what you're doing, but they can hear that things are happening. So that kind of creates this sense of, like, you know, um, a build-up. Um, I also I have a sensory de- deprivation playlist. I have specific music that I only play no. during. What yeah. do you play? What's on okay, that? Okay, so I'm trying to remember the name of the philosopher. There's Alan Watts. So I play Alan Watts philosophical lectures played no over way. really slow ambient tracks oh like bro. really mess with their heads <laughs> oh like wow. quite intense yeah so um, I have that and yeah it just kind of enhances their other senses and you can also play around with suspense um I like to take off my shoes and 
walk away sometimes and it can only be for you to be six to eight seconds but for them it will seem like a lifetime whether they're all tensed up waiting for what's going to happen next yeah. and you actually walk over and you you touch their hand and they'll jump right out of their skin because they're on such high alert so I really love playing with sensory deprivation there's a lot yeah. of potential for all this... a lot of eroticism yeah. is, do, do, and is this all um is it erotic for you yes yeah I mean obviously like everyone there are if there's something I'm less into I'm a bit tired it's like everyone there's days where like this is my job it feels very much like I'm doing my job. You might at some point do your shopping list in your head while you're doing it. Um, That's but, really bad. <laughs> you know, it's what happens. You do it's it. what happens. It's yeah. when you do something all day, every day, inevitably at some point your mind's going to. But no, for the most part, I, I love it. And one of my key um arousal point is generally other people's pleasure so no matter what I'm doing with someone even if it's not something I'm actively like myself I still tend to get very aroused because I'm aroused by other people's um experience of it so yeah it's still very fun for me and I still do and I think you can always really tell when you're really really engaged with it um yeah they can yeah. tell Oh, Matt. So what, is there anything that you would, um, so you, because I've read some of your writing, got some of your writing on your website. Um, is there, are you like doing a, a would you do a book or you're have, also a performer and a model? Yeah, so. no, I've kind of written a book actually. Oh. <laughs> there is, so I've got a piece of writing coming out in, I don't know if you know, Paraphilia magazine. Yes. Um, yeah. So then latest edition, they very kindly gave me about a 10 page spread or something. Wow. But no, I have a literary, I was signed to literary agent and mm. I've written a book and it's just in the, that really awful long slow stage where you're actually finalizing it putting it into order getting the um what's called the the bio all done but hopefully yeah. that is something that in in the future will go somewhere yeah oh brilliant Again, it's kind of like getting into doming I sort of wrote it by accident um, <laughs> I used to have chronic sleep problems and I just sit up in the early hours of the morning and write and then the next thing I knew I'd had like 150 word thousand words down and it was done and I was like oh I just wrote a book <laughs> um, so yeah hopefully that will will actually go and progress into something else because I'd like to say transition out of like frontline work and into doing more of like talk talking and writing and that sort of thing. I was going to ask you how, you know, where, where where would your career, where do you see your career going? But I do think what would be interesting about this career is you could, as an older woman, you could still do it. Absolutely. And even possibly... Mm more successfully absolutely so I personally think and you know I get a lot of men reference youth or young women or stuff when they contact me which personally makes me bristle quite a lot firstly because mm. I think I'm actually a bit older than most people who approach me think that I am secondly they are subconsciously putting a value on me based on my age and appearance which is something as a feminist I really I'm actively against um but I have a lot of friends who are in their 50s 60s 70s for doming and I actually think the older are the better because I think as a woman the older you get the more confident you get the more aware of your power and the more powerful you get so it's not something you lose with age and it isn't something that's tied into your youth and beauty at all it's, yeah. it's within you and so it is something that you can potentially carry on doing and there are the men the more submissive ones who are aware of that and do carry on seeing you I don't personally know if I'll keep doing it forever just because I, I get tired <laughs> particularly the pace I work you know I work about six days a week and it the amount of emotional energy I put into it I do get very drained so um 
I'm kind of making hay while the sun shines and then mm. you know, think of, yeah, something for, it's quite scary not having a job where you have like a, a career trajectory, you know, like a conventional one. Because I don't really... think anything has that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe teaching. I mean, yeah. I, don't know much, I don't know that much has that anymore. Yeah. Because I'm quite a cautious person and I like security and it does sometimes keep me up at weight knowing that I have no distinct long-term plan. But You're a cautious dom. I love that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> do you think, are people surprised when you say that you're a dominatrix and you're a feminist? Do you think there's still a, a weird dichotomy about those um, two things? God, they probably are. And that in itself is a massive surprise to me because for me, it's like an uh, obvious. Like for me, um, sex workers are always generally at the forefront of feminism and activism. Mm. Um, it's so much about female strength and power. And of course, I'm not... Um, I'm not stupid, I'm aware the irony of these men being submissive, I am serving them, I am a service dom and fulfilling their needs. But I, my dominance comes through my kind of awareness of what I am as a woman and mm. my strength in being a woman. And I don't think in any way servicing a man's sexual needs should compromise your ability to be a feminist. Mm. Um, yeah. I don't, I personally, I don't believe in female supremacy. Female supremacy is a huge part of domination and kink, but I think that is actually serving men's fantasies. I don't think until, if we don't have equality, and I don't think until we have equality, we can't even think about, uh, you know, women being the, the dominant power. And I don't think we should because feminism, the idea of feminism is that everyone is equal. Yeah. And I don't want there to be an imbalance in either direction. So uh, female supremacy is something that I don't engage in either because I just think it's a bit of a, a disservice to women. Yeah, I think when you hear a lot of people like you just said, oh, because um, you get very tired after sessions. And I think people, yeah. a lot of people be like, but you're a dominatrix, you just have to lie back and let them kiss you. <laughs> yeah. And I it's wish. like, there's, <laughs> there is a lot of shit you have to deal with. Yeah. With, do you ever get annoyed at subby? I get really annoyed at subby men. Do you get annoyed at them? Oh, yes. <laughs> I get annoyed at <laughs> And in general, yeah. <laughs> I say it's like a, a like a Japanese water torture, particularly I think being a woman on the internet, mm. because they can just be there at any hour of the day and contact you in any manner that they want. And it's this like slow Japanese water torture of just <laughs> irritating comments or sexist remarks or slightly abusive or insensitive. And if it was once or twice, it wouldn't bother you. But when it's happening to you incrementally every single day, yeah, mm. that's why I'm going on holiday on Friday. I'm just like a week where I'm not going to look at my phone and I'm going to like simmer down. <laughs> oh, no, that's, yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, know. I think it's very important to, um, yeah. Yeah, I think, is that another piece? Of, I think another piece of great advice for people who are thinking about going into domination is it isn't just sitting on your ass and getting men to pay you to lick your feet. Yes, I think there's probably a lot of um, misunderstanding of what it involves. And it's actually requires a, a wide skill set and particularly a lot of like emotional understanding. And yeah. yeah, and it is, it can be, it does take a lot of you out of you emotionally if you're invested in it. Um, yeah. Because you are you are really invested in your services and in your clients. Yes. Do any of those clients ever try to ever think that you're a bit more invested in them than you that you are? I, some of them I am very invested in. Some of them cross over. You know, I have ones that I see during sessions. I have others that, you know, we, we get on quite well. And I have others that I genuinely consider friends and I spend a lot of time with and I love. Um, hmm. So there are a lot that I am heavily invested in and I, I give them a lot of time. And I love 
you know, I find their friendship and the relationships I have them very um, rewarding. Uh, but yeah, they definitely, it's kind of like, you know, transference, you know, with therapists, people often develop really strong attraction. attraction oh my God, I've loved every one of mine. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and it's it's a really well-known social phenomenon. And I think it's a very similar thing with doming because you have this sense of like really intense uh, kind of trust and intimacy that you, it's not really relatable to any other aspect of life and they put in so much trust in you and you fulfill their needs that yeah they do develop quite strong ties to you and um yeah sometimes it's more than you can actually give Mm. is there a way that you end up like separating do you yeah you you have to you see warning signs quite early and I think it's important when you see them to kind of step back so, you know, mm. if I find that they're texting me at like, like 11.30 on a Saturday night, I will start by just just not responding at that time, like not mm. engaging and being like, I will engage when I'm ready to engage and I will engage in particular hours. And it's almost like a kind of puppy training. my sister tells me that apparently I talk about men like their dogs which I think is a habit I've picked up particularly men I'm dating I apparently I speak more like their puppy dogs (laughs) (laughs) so yeah you can train them um, (laughs) how do I start training them Adrina that's what I need to start I'm a big I'm a big fan of Pavlovian techniques (laughs) (laughs) oh good boy brilliant bb any questions no i'm just i'm just listening to it all and enjoying it all um <laughs> so when do you think this book is going to happen uh oh well right now during lockdown i've so committed a lot of time to it and then real life happened and now i feel like i'm treading water you know you know when you wake up and you're just the next thing you know you blink and you're going to bed again so mm-hmm. i think i need to take a couple of weeks off and focus on it because it's pretty much there mm-hmm. it just needs to be neatened up so i think hopefully 2022 i'm going to aim for that to be my goal for 2022 let me ask you a lockdown thing so you've seen so you've so you've started seeing people again yeah has anyone asked you for any kind of COVID-themed action? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Any medical uh, fetishes come out of the woodwork? Medical fetishes, yeah. Um, I'm try- oh, oh, I did have one where we did a kind of role play where he was really into spitting. And the role play was like, I, um, you know, there's this risk now that I'm going to spit on you and you might catch COVID, which I thought was a bit wild. (laughs) Um, But otherwise, I think for most people, I think people are pretty much pretty sick of COVID. So I would hope that I'm kind of like an escape from from real life. But yeah, we did do this one. It was a double with another friend teasing him about how we were. Uh Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> what kind of things are your favorite things to do my favorites um I love pegging I really love pegging I don't know why but anything I'm really drawn to that part of the male anatomy and <laughs> to be probing around it <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, sensory deprivation as aforementioned I really love I kind of focus on the very kind of tactile erotic um practices I think basically I'm just quite slutty I just love touching and groping and yeah, yeah messing around with my body so yeah I do a lot of tie and tees and kind of very erotic stuff more so than the kind of really intense hardcore impact play or anything like that when you're in relationships do your um, partners um know or mind what you do are they concerned I mean they absolutely know it's such a huge part of my life that it's I don't think I know anyone who doesn't know what I do 
uh, and it would be it would be god that'd be quite it'd be interesting for me to try and keep it secret that would be a full-time <laughs> job um I try it obviously it brings up it can bring up issues um even with men who think they're okay with it there are always gonna be challenging things when you're spending that much time around other naked men seeing to their yeah. sexual needs but um I try to only get involved with people who are understanding of it they don't have to necessarily be in the scene but do understand that is my job um and not only accept it but are proud of it because for a long time I dated people who accepted it but were like oh I don't need to hear about it and kind of acted like it was a joke but then retrospectively Mm. I was like no that's not enough I need to be able to talk about my work Mm. and for you to be proud of it you have to you know accept every part of me so now yeah I try to only date people who are very understanding and proud of what I do but there'll always be something that will suddenly throw up issues or insecurities they didn't know they had or cause problems and yeah I always think of it as an excellent filter like if you don't accept me as a sex worker then you're absolutely. not the kind of person that, that I want to be with yeah, yeah absolutely yeah yeah so what um uh so if you're doing so I just wanted sorry I know said I wanted to bring you on to sensory deprivation um so what other kind of tips would you give someone who wanted to to give it a go so you've got the blindfolding yeah I mean it's soundtrack and the anticipation of the the movie yeah so I think that one is particularly very much based around kind of scene and touch and that so I think move slow is important Mm -hmm. Uh, really explore the partner's body because I think with sensory deprivation they're they're very vulnerable you're the one with the power and it's very much based on that so to move slow really explore them Mm. I think in general as well people put when they're doing a scene they feel so much pressure to do a scene Mm. and it doesn't have to be like a performance or a show for the other person it's just a conversation with the other person you're exploring with them and I think people put way too much pressure on themselves Mm. to make it into a scene and and so to try and not get tied up in that and actually just enjoy the experience uh, communicate with them I think is important particularly if they're in a position of vulnerability which they are if they're time bound and blindfolded Mm. I think it's important to in a way that works for you have a constantly you know be checking in with them to check that they're okay and they're feeling safe and secure and they're enjoying it and what you know that sort of thing um using things like sensation play is great with sensory deprivation obviously because their senses are heightened so things like you know um pinwheels feathers soft things you can incorporate hot or cold as well um so you might want to use ice or hold on to something very warm before you touch them, that sort of thing. So yeah, anything that really accentuates, I think, the senses. This sounds so good. Would you, do you want ever want someone to do this to you? Yeah, actually, um, I'm. I really struggle with getting out of control. <laughs> like, really struggle with being out of control. Um, that's not something I like. But I think it really helps hmm. because when you're doing it, you obviously see it from one perspective, but you don't really know how it feels. And occasionally, I've let other people do it, and you're like it's actually really intense and you kind of it's really helps to see it from the other perspective and yeah it's nice to mix stuff up so mm. as long as I don't feel like I'm out of control which makes it I guess a bit of a challenge yeah. <laughs> I'm like it's because we're you're doing a cautious dom yeah exactly <laughs> it's like we're doing this because I'm allowing you to do this to me sort yeah. of thing yeah. I would definitely yeah. be the topping from the bottom type <laughs> so the final question is who's the most famous client you've had don't answer that <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. There's there's been a few. Been really, a few. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think like, yeah, 
be a bit of a magnet for those ones. <laughs> so there's been a few of them. <laughs> I could probably sell a lot more copies of the book yeah, if I put that shit yeah. in, but I'll probably also get sued. But uh, yeah, we'll all get sued. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, like, because I'm so intrigued by this, because you put on your website that you walked into a fetish club at age 17. Yeah. What does that take? Like, that's quite young to walk into a yeah. fetish club, surely. I think I started, I think I was just curious because I was actually a super, sh- a very, very shy child. Mm. I don't, it I wasn't, the, yeah. So even for me, I was like, I think it was escapism. Because there's going to be people who are like in their 50s and 60s who are like, I've never walked into a face yeah. like I want to. So. I think I guess in a way when you're younger, you don't have that fearlessness, don't you, mm. when you're really young. You don't overthink things. You have less social concerns. So I think Yeah, you're fucking didn't... stupid. You just... Yeah, right. <laughs> so I probably didn't, if I, it's probably easier to do then yeah. than at like 32, 35 or something. Um, but I, it started slowly. I was like, you know, going into... Um, sex shops in Soho and reading the magazines and it was just this curiosity and for me I think it was escapism like I was a very shy person and I didn't really know how to express myself and so it's kind of like throwing myself in at the deep end and I felt way more comfortable in a fetish club half naked than I did at school in my yeah. uniform around my friends so it was like this escapism where I felt like I could actually be myself rather than trying so hard to be myself with around other teenagers which and was it that you were always a dominatrix was it always that you no, I think I, control? no I think I discovered that later I think I discovered as I got older mm. I became more you know I didn't know what domination was. And I think it took me a while for, that it is for me to be a dominant woman is just be aware of your innate power and not, not to take crap from other people and to just, you know, stand up for yourself and be a, um, em- embrace your own strength rather than to be, to hate men or to want to beat up men or anything like that. Mm. Um, but I don't think I was. I think because I was shy and stuff, I was quite um, subservient. Like very, very polite and quite subservient. And I just got bullshit with age. <laughs> I'm going to be a terrifying 50-year-old. I probably should stay dominant, shouldn't I? <laughs> you should definitely keep dipping in because I think yeah. that would be... Yeah, oh, I, I hope I can. I hope even if I just do it for, for fun or for the occasional kick, I do, would love to, to keep yeah. doing that, yeah. <laughs> and also you can't give up that beautiful studio. Or at least if you do, then, uh, you know, I want first... Yes, of course. Noted. No, I do. Noted. Even if I, if I if I quit, I still do want to keep hold of that and like rent it out and maybe use it for like an educational space or let other doms use it for parties or that sort of thing. So it will live on in various forms, definitely. So do you think you'll always have a hand in it? If you you know yeah. your book sells off, they make a movie of it. You're in LA. <laughs> like, will you always just have a little bit of a? Yeah, uh, yeah. I definitely will always be part of my lifestyle, and I'll always be playing with it. And I'd love the idea of still dipping in and out of sessions and being involved in the scene. Yeah, I, it's been my in part of my life for my whole sexual adult life. So I don't plan on it that ever yeah. changing. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Um, where can people find you if they want to make a booking? Where can they? Um, the best is probably via my website, which mm. is mistressadrina.co.uk. That's where you're most likely to get a response. Um, you can also find me on Instagram, which is at Adrina Angela. Um, yeah, I think that's it, really. Yeah. Those are the best, yeah, the best ways to get hold of me, I'd say. <laughs> Have a nice holiday. Don't oh tell us where gosh. you're going back. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, how excited the, she is. 
What's yeah. the title of the book? Have you decided on the title? I, there are a few working titles, but no, it's no, undecided. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, space for that one. Will you come back? <laughs> will you come back when it's when it's published? Yeah, I mean, now I've talked about it now, so I really have to actually get you have to and gear you and have do to it, do don't it, because otherwise it's really embarrassing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so thank you. You've given me motivation. <laughs> but I definitely will. I will reach out. I'll send you a copy. <laughs> Brilliant! Thank you so much. <laughs> thank I you. Really it's great to talk that. to you. Thank you very much to our guest, Adrena Angela. Uh, my name's Miranda Kane. I hope you have found that just as educational and informative and entertaining as I did. Uh, it was produced for metro.co.uk and you can get in touch with us on Twitter at Good Sex Bad Sex with the triple X at the end or on Instagram, which again is at Good Sex Bad Sex, not with the triple X, but you can slide into our DMs if you think you would make a crazy sexy guest for the show. In the meantime, we're going to see you next week.